the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Firing Line. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Moppin Financial Advisors, Cutting Edge Bullets for when you care enough to send the very best, Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, by Evolution Sports in Redlands, and Vortex Optics, Vortex, the force of optics. And now your host, Philip Naiman. Good, bad, I'm the guy with the gun. Yeah, jingle bells, jingle bells, Merry Christmas, yo. (laughs) (laughs) Hey folks, Philip Neyman, Firing Line Radio Show. I'm here with Chad Carlson and with Vince Vincenzo Torres uh, over at Bullseye Sports, Guns and Ammo in Riverside. And Chad is obviously the owner of Prado Olympic Shooting Park. So um, we're getting close to the Christmas season. Getting kind of excited about that. Uh, Vince is going to be stuffing stockings a little bit later, and he has some great specials. We want to talk about that. But last week, I was able to relate a, a fantastic adventure. I got to go on down to Hermosillo, Mexico, and no, I will never quit talking about it. It just, it Not just good. was that much fun. Um, but I did invite Chad Carlson on because the last time he was here in the summer, he had alluded to a trip that he had planned for his entire life. And he pulled it off. So it's a great story. I don't want to step on it any more than that, other than it has a great ending. But I'm going to turn this over to Chad Carlson. And Chad, what exactly am I talking about? Putting me on the spot, Phil. <laughs> now, I, I was uh, lucky enough to go up to uh, British Columbia on a Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep hunt. So I had it planned for the last three years, four years, but a lifetime of hunting in the, you know, culminating into this. And, uh, yeah, I got up there in so September. Your, your plan, your plan was to do this, but yep. where did your preparation start? I mean, walk us through this. This is not something you just said. Oh, next Tuesday I'll go do this. No, definitely not. I started training for it five months out, uh, working out, training, training for the mountains because it's not for the uh, weak of heart. It's a, it's a it's a grueling hunt. You got to be physically prepared and ready to go for it. So and, and five not, months out. You're not 25 years old anymore. No, no. At 46, it takes a little bit more than when I was 25. Maybe then I could have pulled it off being from the, you know, in the Marine Corps shape, I could have probably pulled it off. But no, I started five months out preparing for it, gear physically, um, gearing up and along with, uh, you know, shooting too. A lot of practice, a lot of uh, load development, getting everything ready for the trip. So I got up there to camp um, a week early and what started did, scouting. What did, what did you do with your for your training? Because this is important because this is higher altitudes and and the kind of terrain that you typically find bighorn sheep is. It's not like a golf course. No, no, it's all straight up and down. I, you know, I was lucky enough to find a few. I had a couple of friends turn me on to some uh, mountain training. Uh, programs, um, stuff that I could do around the house because I love to hike, but the hiking takes too much time. It's a full day. Yeah. Yeah, It's a full day.
day. And uh, but there's a lot of great things on the you know the internet's awesome for some of these mountain training programs. And uh, it's like a mixture of CrossFit with just you know ton, tons of core training, tons of leg strength. Yeah, we've had the guys on from tra- Train to Fit, yep. or Train to Hunt. Um, great program that they had. And it's exactly it's like a CrossFit. It gets your heart rate up. It um, it makes you work every little muscle. Yeah, a lot of core. Yeah, t- tons of core and a lot of the exercises. Like, oh, this isn't going to be a problem. <laughs> Five reps and I'm breathing heavy to start out. But it, it was uh, it, it was definitely any sweat you can put uh, put out and work out ahead of time. The the more you're going to enjoy the hunt for sure. Well, it's not it's not sweat. You're uh, you're leaking achievement. Yeah. That's it. But anything you can put out prior to going up there, I wanted to make sure. I mean, you're going to breathe heavy. You're going to be in pain when you're up there, but it's your recovery. It's your recovery time, and be and you want to enjoy the environment, not be right. dreading it or miserable. Or not climb that last ridge because you physically can't, and that's the one you had to go on. Yeah, and it happens. It happens to hunters. I have friends that are guides, outfitters, and I've heard the story. So I wanted every opportunity to, to be successful on that's it. That's awesome. One of the things when I was in Mexico, they have an island. I think it's called Tiburon, yeah, Tiburon. where they hunt the big bighorn sheep. Mm-hmm. And one of the guides was telling me that, hey, you know, there's some we got these ram spotted they're 180 class and above i'm like well i've only heard guys taking 150s off tiburon that's a size which is a 150 is like an average you know lower average for yeah. that, that type a 180 is a very very big one and i said why are, why are you seeing the 180s and everybody else getting 150s he goes because they can't get up the hill mm-hmm. those guys go down there and then they settle for a 150 because they couldn't beat the mountain to get after the sheep. Yeah, they're killing some monster desert sheep off that island. If you get to the top. Yep. And if you can afford it. Oh, yeah. Well, we don't talk about it. It's about a, it's about 100 bucks or so. Maybe yeah, a little yeah, north yeah, of that. Yeah. It's in pesos, so I can't tell. But, yeah, it's, a, it's a, more than 100, a little bit. You bet. So you did that. Now, um, the terrain, you have a lot of – where sheep are, there's a lot of shale, a lot of crumbly cliffs. Yeah. What did you do for boots? Um, I, you know, I've went through a couple of different pairs of boots in the workup for this between elk hunting and, and my hiking I've settled now. I've been wearing, I've been wearing like a mountaineering boot boot. I've been wearing like hand wags, uh, which are, you know, real stiff, real, not the common boot you'd want to be wearing around here, but serious mountaineering stuff. Cause you're towing your way up the mountain, not so much rolling your whole foot. And the difference is with a stiff, stiffer sole like that, you're not exploding your calf muscles every time you push. Right. Yeah. And and there, and when you have that weight on you going up or downhill, it's just more support on the rock. And, uh, you know, it, it saves you compared to wearing, I don't know, like a pair of high techs or something like that. Trail runners. Yeah. yeah, you'd be in trouble. It's just rough, rough country. Uh, definitely a lot of rock. I know our climb down was all shale the entire way so gotta have a good set of boots and uh sheep hunting that's all it is is researching the best equipment or finding out what what's going to work the best and light because you don't want to carry an ounce more than you need to up that mountain so So, no no nikes then no no they have a they have a when it comes to sheep hunting and nikes they have a motto it's called just leave it (laughs) just just leave them yeah (laughs) So, I mean, but that's, that's an important consideration. I'm looking at a hunt possibly next year. And, you know, these are some of the things that I have to consider and, and footwear because that's know, everything we hunt in temperate 
zones out here. You don't get wet because there isn't any water. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the only thing you have to worry about is snakes and snakes. And uh, I, I don't even wear snake boots. But um, you can get away with a lightweight trail runner. And I've worn those for years because it's fine for up here. But, man, you get into that shale canyons and rock hopping and stream crossing. and Yeah, I've, I've went through it. And you'll go through a couple of pairs just to find the ones that are going to work the best for your feet. I, I know I have. Um, but once you find them, you know, and it, it makes everything. You don't want foot problems up there. You don't want to be getting blisters or, you know, banging your toes into the front of the boot. Catch things your toenails like now. Yeah, you'll be in a world of hurt quick. So, but yeah, a lot went into the, just the equipment and getting everything set to go. And I, and I, I'm lucky enough. I have some good friends that are guides and outfitters up there. So I kind I'm always student of the game. I'm kind of looking all the time what they're using. And that's usually a pretty good bet on what works, what I should use. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What's the elevation in, in those mountains? Uh, it, you know, it's on the backside of glaciers. You're you're going all the, you know, you could find 10,000 foot, but where we're hunting and finding the sheep was seven to 8,000 okay. Respectable. Yeah. A lot of, uh, well, for me, I tend to notice the elevation change over 8,000, you know, but under that, you're typically not a, not a big deal. But 8,000 and above, you can really start to feel that uh, atmospheric change. Sure. Sure. Okay. Well, I'm not a I'm not a hunter, so okay. So we got taken care of the, of your dressing. So now you go up there and you hit that one big guy. Now what? How do you get it down? <laughs> you just push it off the hill. Well, it's all and, shale and wait so for him outside. I mean, it's all bottom, shale. Or, so uh, you you bring some rope, you put it through his mouth and tie it around his horn, sit on his back, and you ride him. <laughs> oh, down it's, the a, it's yeah. a fun. So it's a ride back. <laughs> all right, that's pretty cool. It's an e ticket. <laughs> that's no, what you did, right? Yeah, that, that's where the real work comes in. Is after. You know, we were successful on it, but yeah, coming down, it was just me and a friend of mine, Tyler, that were up there, and yeah, we quartered it out, packed it out okay. off the top of that. There's just two of us, but I can tell you, the pack was heavy. Well, and not only that, because yeah, you can't bring the whole thing full, right? It's, no, that's you know, too awkward and too no, big. You, you have know. a 375 pound yeah. sheep up there, you, you, you know, and you quartered up. We butchered it up, took everything we could, um, the cape, the horns, um, and. Yeah, the pack was so heavy. Mine, I I remember just crawling into it and rolling over on all fours to get to, to stand my up. feet, and then it's straight down the mountain on rock. And one of the other things that's important about that that descent. I mean, obviously that's yeah. where your knees are going to get hurt. But on that descent, did you use trekking poles? Yeah, I yeah, think I had those one. are so good for that. We used one a piece. Um, I don't like two because we're always grabbing onto stuff. So I like using one. Uh, somebody, you know, a lot of people that go up there will have a, a packer with them, you know, somebody to carry. Ah, I, I didn't do that. Um, I'm <laughs> glad that I didn't. Well, looking back on it, when I was going through it, I'm like, where's my packer? <laughs> but, but now, I wish you had one. But like, now I'm kind of, I'm, I'm pretty proud of the fact that I can hang my hat on packing that sheep off that yeah. mountain. So, and, and, but so those, those trekking poles, what I like about them is it keeps your body upright. You know, otherwise, with just your backpack on, you tend to hunch over and your lower back starts really bothering because you're not in the right position. But we're going to talk about how you found the sheep and what happened at that when we come back from this. So, anyway, folks, this is Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show, talking with Chad Carlson, owner of Proud Olympic Park. And here for color commentary, we have Vincenzo (laughs) Tornellini, Riverside Riverside Bullseye Sports. So, folks, we'll be right back after this. A message from Vince, the owner of Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo in Riverside. If you're a first-time gun owner or thinking about purchasing your first firearm, whether for hunting, home defense, or recreational shooting, it is important to take the next step 
and become a responsible gun owner. We highly recommend that you attend a certified firearm safety and training class, one that will teach you the basic knowledge, skills, and attitude essentials to the safe and efficient use of your firearm. As a law-abiding citizen, you have the right to self-defense, and with that right comes an obligation to educate yourself on the laws and safety procedures needed to use a firearm properly. For information about certified firearm training classes, call Bullseye Sport in Riverside at 951-823-0211 or check out their schedule of classes at bullseyesport.com. Because of Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo, we believe in safety first. 951-823-0211. Pull! Whether you're a gold medalist or new to the sport of shooting, you'll love Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, where Olympians shoot. Prado's shotgun facility is world-class, offering trap, skeet, and five-stand. And the pistol and rifle ranges are safe and enjoyable shooting environments with professionals there to answer all your questions. Are you an experienced pistol shooter with an itch to take your skills to the next level? Discover the sport of practical shooting at one of the monthly events. Prado hosts ISPC shooting events open to the public every first and third Sunday with Prado Running Gun Club, blending accuracy, power, and speed with challenging multiple moving targets, penalty targets, and obstacles. Prado Olympic Shooting Park is a great place to teach your whole family about the safe and effective use of firearms. Bring the whole family for an exciting day at the shooting range. Call Prado Olympic Shooting Park at 909-597-4518. Online at shootprado.com. 909-597-4518. AM 590. The answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside and cutting-edge bullets for when you care enough to send the very best. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. That's right, folks. It's Boomstick Radio, and you know it. And this is Philip Naiman, and you know that every single week we're talking about Second Amendment rights, hunting, just all the good things in life, basically. And our staunch supporter for this radio program for the last four and a half years has been Vincenzo Torolini of Bullseye Sports in Riverside. Now, you've heard me talk about the Firing Line Radio Show Gun of the Month Challenge. Now, this was created in response to pending legislation from Sacramento. But Bullseye Sport is one of the establishments participating in the challenge. Each month for the next year, there'll be a special offer on a firearm for each month. Your goal is to collect as many as possible. During the month of December, you can purchase a Ruger GP100 6-inch blued steel 38 57 caliber for $589.99. For more information about the challenge, go to bullseyesport.com. Hey, $589.99, folks, that's like 1990s pricing. Okay, in case you didn't realize that, I haven't seen revolvers for under 600 bucks in a decade. Five eighty nine ninety nine. Bullseye Sport in Riverside, where the Inland Empire gets its guns and ammo. Nine five one eight two three zero two one one, or number two on your speed dial. Nine five one eight two three zero two one one, or visit their website bullseyesport.com. Vince, thank you so much for your support. Enjoy having you here. We're going to talk about how you plan on stuffing stockings uh, throughout the Inland Empire yeah. before this Christmas. Mm-hmm. But I want to finish up with Chad. Uh, Chad Carlson, the owner of Prado Olympic Shooting Parks, a great guy, accomplished hunter, accomplished shooter. And uh, if you're ever at a, one of those tournament challenges, somebody says sporting clays, get Chad on your team. We got second <laughs> place because we had Chad on my team. Anyway, so check it out. We just left him talking about some of the mountains on a sheep hunt for desert, or not desert, but 
Bighorn Sheep, Rocky Mountain Bighorn Sheep in British Columbia. Um, how long was your trip? Trip was planned for 12 days. So you gave yourself the most time possible. Yep. Yeah. And so you've done your prep work. You've been working out for five months. I think you said you lost 25 pounds or something. Yeah. yeah awesome. You know, I found them. If you want them back. <laughs> right. <got> them. So. <laughs> well, they're starting to sneak back in. <laughs> lost the weight, got the right gear, been practicing for this. So take us to the morning of. Yeah, well, we, we watched these rams. I got there a week before season, so we watched these rams. Uh, we scouted out and had these rams pretty well pegged out on what we were going for. The day before, uh, the morning before opener, we made the climb up the mountain, spent the night on top of the mountain. How high? Uh, 8,000. So you, was the climb, what, 2,000 feet or so? Uh, probably, yeah, probably around three. Yeah, it, we started the climb up at... Oh, zero dark thirty. It was probably five thirty, six o'clock in the morning. Finally, got up to the top around two. So it, it was a good six-hour climb. And how heavy was your pack? Uh, it's probably around thirty-eight, thirty-nine pounds at that point. Okay, that's sub forty. That's good. Yeah, because you're carrying a lot. The, the big, the heaviest thing we were carrying water. is water. Yeah, yeah. I so, was thinking about how many beers would that take you to get up there in six that's, hours? But it that's Rocky Mountain water. That's what we're talking. about. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the big. That's a big problem. We had enough to stay up there for probably a couple of days, and there was a cache on top too. So if we had to get more water to get through it, we could be up there for probably up to four days. As I'd long say. as the chipmunks hadn't chewed through exactly. it. Exactly. So how so, much weight do you have on you while you're doing this climb? climb. Just the you know just the pack whatever you're going to need to stay the night on the mountain that's the biggest thing sleeping bag um, yeah bivy sack those type of things and your firearm yep. and your and your yep. rifle yep so you got a you got a few pounds on you yeah the water's the heaviest yeah you know because we're carrying probably seven eight liters wow yeah well you, you know <laughs> there's no water up that high so you can't just right you know and and so what you have to do is go down a thousand foot creaky canyon to the spring and then back no you know you just, just carry the weight just in. carry the weight is that what the what the uh, sheep do do they go down drink water and then yeah. go back up again or do they yeah. find the problem is they can cover that amount of ground no I know. That, I know you know they're, they're, it's, just, it's amazing to watch them move somebody around. built them for that yeah. it's like we hunt uh, we used to hunt above crystal lake here in the angeles forest and we go up in the mountains above them and there's deer up on the top but it's your water limited. I mean, we would carry 40 pounds of water in and you'd run out and that, you know, so your pack's 70, 80 pounds cause it's half its water. And if you want more water, it's 2,500 feet to the bottom of the Canyon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, thanks. I'm going home. <laughs> so you have to, you have to prepare for that. So yeah, we're up there the night before spent the night on the mountain next morning. Uh, we, we got lucky. We were on a, basically a big wait uh, back up you got yeah. lucky because you were there a week early yeah we, we, yeah when we got there we had a good idea where the rams were but things change when you're on the mountain you're your whole time up climbing up and the whole night spent is i i hope they haven't moved off because they can move off to you know a mile away overnight and we were hoping they bedded down and they're basically where we saw them prior to the climb right but a mile away a mile away in sheep country could be a day away because yeah. of the treacherous terrain and the different drainages you've got to cross. It's not like, okay, it's a 15-minute walk. We'll be over there. So we had a good idea where they were. Woke up the next morning, and since we were on the top, we knew we were in a good spot. If they moved one way or another, we would have had them. Um, we just started kind of peeking over the cliff, 
and we got lucky. The first spot we peeked over where we both kind of thought they were, there's they were bedded down. There's 15 of them bedded wow. down. And there's three mature rams out of those 15 that we were really wanting to see. The whole game up there in British Columbia is, is it has to be a legal ram. And a legal ram there is it has to be a full curl to the eye socket. Wow. So they will actually take that skull upon harvesting a ram, and they set it in a jig. And if it doesn't measure up, they keep it. So, so you're there's a, a lot of pressure involved in it. You're off a quarter inch. Yes. it's Sorry. You're not going to keep your trophy. It's, it has to be a full curl. Now, in other provinces and other places, you they can be shot on age, um, you know, because of the age rings and the horns, you know, they can be shot on age or three quarter curl. They can be taken in British Columbia. It has to be a full curl. And how old, how old are they going to be able to get that? Uh, it's going to be a six, mature Ram. Yeah. Uh, six, yeah eight, like eight mine years. was, what was mine? Eight and a half. I think. Wow. Okay. Mine was eight and a half. No, so I know that I'm not a hunter guys. I'm sorry. I'm not a hunter. I've been around guns all my life, but I'm not a hunter. So, uh, uh all these questions that I ask is because I'm intrigued with the hunters. Because I know hunting is not like going out there with your buddies. It's called shooting. You get in your car, you get to where you're at, you shoot on a paper, and you go home, and you're done. Hunting is a whole new other yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. planning you have to do. I know the deers, you have to be really quiet because they can hear you. On the rams, do you, do you have that same? Uh... Oh, yeah. It's, it's all the same stuff. It's just at an extreme, though. Cause they have really good eyesight. Their eyesight's day. like six or eight power binoculars all the time. <laughs> oh. So is that, yeah. so they can see you more than they can hear you. They can see you more than you can see them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They, it's just a different le- it, it's a different level. Deer you can get away with certain things and even with the sheep, let's be honest, you can get away with certain things, but it's at the extreme because of the environment. Okay. You know. Yeah. That's the whole, you know, that's the pinnacle, you know. You, you knock one little rock off and it's a 15-minute cascade of rocks going down the hill. It's like, "Hi, I'm over here." Right. <laughs> and I and and we we watch those rams the you know we got uh the other thing we got lucky on is a lot of your juvenile rams moved off and left the three four mature ones there and uh so we spent a lot of time behind the gl- the glass to make sure and confirmed that that ram was a full curl we watched them for three yeah. hours and and here's one of the issues that you have is although it's a large ram and he's eight and a half years old they purposely break off their horns and what they don't like is they don't like the horns if it comes up and blocks their peripheral vision. Especially on their dominant eye. They will they will break against, they'll wear it off on the rocks. Really? So they, yeah, because it's they call like it this. Brooming. Yeah, they'll broom it off. They'll broom that horn off. You'll always see a ram always have one longer than the other. But they don't break it off. I'm sure things are pretty thick to break, right? Well, well, at the tip, you know, when it starts getting up there, it's thinner. Right. Well, and they keep they keep the, working yeah, it they off, just kind keep of rubbing it down, filing rocks and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so they can see. And because they need their peripheral vision, they can't be moving their head all over when they're jumping at 40 miles an hour across those things. And so what happens is, it could look like, you know, a huge, thick, full curl, and it's not long enough in British Columbia because the animals broomed its antlers off. Yeah, I, I saw, the, I saw this picture. Me. That thing is humongous. You saw how it's rounded at the end. Yeah. That's from him brooming them off, him purposely shortening the length of now his Now, your shot, are you taking your shot at an angle? Or is it a straight yeah, shot? Yeah, that's what we want to talk about when we come back here because so this, is, this was some really unique stuff that he got to pull off on this. But, um wow. That's so, a nice picture. So when you're watching... Did you guys see that on there? Yeah, those of you on radio. <laughs> everybody, give us a collective, ooh, ah. Uh, it's an awesome, awesome ram. But it's a lot of pressure. You watch for three hours. 
Right. We watched them. We we were over the top of them for three hours just to get the confirmation and the right look. We waited for the ram to roll its head the right way so we knew it was a legal ram and we could take it. That's awesome. Folks, this is Philip Naiman. Check us out at FiringLineRadio.com or Firing Line Radio Show on Facebook. You can also find uh, find out more about Prado Olympic Shooting Parks. We're going to come back with how this hunt actually ended, and then we're going to let Vince stuff some stockings. Folks, Firing Line Radio Show, we'll be right back after this. Are you an expert marksman looking for a clean, safe place to shoot? Or maybe you've never shot a gun but want to learn? Well, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range is the best place to work on your shooting skills, no matter what your experience level is. With 21,000 square feet of indoor range space, 35 shooting lanes, and an electronic target retrieval system, it means no line breaks and more trigger time. The friendly people at Riverside Indoor Shooting Range can answer all your questions about firearms training, self-defense training, firearm rentals, gunsmithing, archery, and more. And for the ladies, the Riverside chapter of The Well-Armed Woman meets there the second Tuesday of each month for women of all experience levels. Looking for a great holiday gift for the shooting enthusiast in your life? During the month of December, get 10% off a full year's membership or 10% off any gift certificate of $40 or more. Riverside Indoor Shooting Range. For directions and info, log on to RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. That's RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. AM590. The answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, by Evolution Sports in Redlands, and CCW Safe. Spartans, lay down your weapons! Persians, come and get them! That's right, folks. It is Mulan Lave Saturday. Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show. Check us out on our Facebook page, Firing Line Radio Show. Also on our website, FiringLineRadio.com. We're talking with Chad Carlson, the owner of Prado Olympic Shooting Sports down there off the 71. You need to go on down there and bust some caps. Uh, say hello. <laughs> yeah, say, there we go. <laughs> say hello to, to Chad while you're down there. And you'll be shooting ammo and the gun that you bought at Bullseye Sports Guns and Ammo in Riverside. Then I have Vincenzo Torolini, my favorite Italian Cuban um, <laughs> joining us over here. Um, so let's finish up this. You've you've climbed this mountain. You got in shape. Got the tag. Got the opportunity. Got the time. Lots of preparation. Climbed the mountain. Did the hardscape. You look or hard work. Looking over the top. You found your rams. You've actually had to make sure that that this all wasn't for naught. For three hours. For three hours, you watched them here. Your heart was probably slightly beating. Yeah, it was it was definitely off and on. Yeah, it, when when we finally got the confirmation, I think we spent so much time or uh, adrenaline leading up to that. At the time, we were just being calm and trying to be right. as patient as possible to get the right look and the confirmation that we had a legal ram. And uh, yeah, we closed the show. So. Talk about this shot, because this is something that's pretty difficult. And frankly, you'd had a little bit of experience, those kind of angles. But um, you're shooting downhill at an extreme 60 degree or greater yeah, angle. It was, a, it was an extreme angle. And uh, it wasn't the distance involved with the shot that was tough. It was just dealing with the angle and dealing. And it was a windy day. It was it was windy and, and having the kind of support getting the rest set up and that's what you know the three hours i mean you don't know where these rams are going to end up so you couldn't just 
bench your gun. I mean, half my gun was hanging off the cliff. So, you know, we want to make sure everything's solid enough. And the, and the yardage was good. You know, our, our, yard, our readings and corrected yardages were really good. So uh, we made it happen. So how far away was he? It was it. The measurement was like three twenty-five uh, on Linear. the initial on the initial you know lays. It was three twenty-five, but corrected, it went down. I, I basically shot that ram at two fifty uh, on the on the scope. So it's about a forty-five degree angle. Yeah. So here's here's what happens, guys. This is something that uh, because of Chad's background as a as a long range shooter, um, he's had experience with this. Your bullet. It goes out the barrel of your gun. Your optics sit two inches above it. In order to hit where your optics are, your bullet literally has to climb over your line of sight and then comes down to the range that you're sighted in for. So if you're sighted in at 100 yards, you pretty much have a point blank on at 37 going up, and then back at 100 yards, your, your bullet is coming back down to your line of sight. If you're shooting at an extreme angle, 45 degrees, 60 degrees... 80 degrees on some of these sheep hunts, the bullet crosses your line of sight, but gravity doesn't pull it back down to where you're sighted in at. It causes extreme confusion because when you're shooting downhill, you shoot high. When you're shooting uphill, you shoot high. Everybody confuses, thinks one's more than the other, but the math is the same. You're going to shoot high on both of those. And so what Chad was saying is his yardage was 325 yards, but the gravitational pull on the bullet was only 250. So had he adjusted for 325, he would have missed his animal and shot over its back. For sure. Yeah. It, and it, and it, you know, when you've shot at angles like that, it, it wasn't the, 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 the hard part of the shot was the environment. It was just the, being that high and hanging off a cliff, making that shot. I mean, you know, 325 yards even at the range, I'll make that 10 out of 10 times. But hanging off the side of a cliff, and yeah, it it, it, it was interesting to say the least. So your toes weren't were there actually there like a break, well, holding time, your body from sliding over the top. I told Tyler, my buddy, I told him at one point, I'm like, I hope the blast from this going off doesn't loosen the cliff. <laughs> you know, and I said, if I drop this rifle, it's gone. We're not going to get it. Oh, you know, yeah, it was it was hairy, but uh, we pulled it off. It was it was awesome. So, so there's a lot of mental work that you're doing here. I mean, I I'm exhausted, and I'm sitting here in the chair, and I haven't even climbed that hill, and I'm already exhausted of all the things that in my mind as they're explaining it to to us. I'm in my head doing doing that what they're doing. I go, holy crap, that's a lot of work. And but it's part of the excitement, I guess. It's part of the uh, the, the hunt is is all that combined as a whole, you know. Well, Especially when you come out at the end with a price, yeah, it makes it all worthwhile, you know. And that's the thing is he's got this animal. He took it on the first day, but his hunt started five months before that. Right. Every time he's out there working out, I mean, he's preparing for this, and that's that's kind of the thing about the big game hunting is it's a year round. You don't just show up and shoot. It's it's a year round. Event. Right. Yeah, and, it and it's just so you can keep your head straight and, you know, keep keep focused and your mental clarity, all those type of things. You know, you get up there, you're exhausted and you can't recover. And now you're going to start making bad decisions yep. and, you know, bad shots, things like that. And, you know, it's just it's it's just the culmination. It, it And we're up there hiking around and glassing for for a week. We found the rams early, but every day and we watch those rams from morning until night 
to put them to bed so we could come back and we'd never, you know, lose track of them because that could be turned into a real mess of running around trying to find these, you know, find a legal ram. Or so. spend spend six days and then you lose them on the last day and don't know where they went. And right. Yeah. Shouldn't, it, shouldn't have gone to the movies that day. <laughs> but you know what? I was mentally prepared that when I made the hike up there, spent the night, I, I wasn't looking like, oh, we're going to we're going to uh, get this ram tomorrow. I was kind of, I was mentally prepared that I'll go up and down or wherever for the length of, of the hunt. Just that, that was my mental. I didn't want to get too, too ahead of myself. Right. It's easy to do, but I wasn't saying, Oh, I'm going to, this is easy. I'm going to hike up here and kill that ram tomorrow and be done. I, right. it, it wasn't the mindset I had. And I mean, believe it or not, I being in the industry for a long time, I've met a lot of hunters and there's a lot of hunters that, well, maybe not a lot, but a few that think that way. I'm going to go hunt tomorrow. I'm going to bring back a deer. And I go, well, you're pretty sure yourself. Is the thing <laughs> yeah. tied down to a tree or something? Or are you really going to go out there and try your best to bring down a an animal? Because I have a cousin that hunts, and he always tells me, I'm going to go try to bring back a deer. Well, you know, <laughs> hunting in Southern California, you know, I, I haven't it's done tough. it for a few years. But I got to tell you, if you can successfully hunt consistently in Southern California and get an animal, you can hunt anywhere in the world and be a superstar. It, yeah, you've got the terrain, you've got a population, you've got uh, you know a hundred degree heat during. You got the Santa Anas, you got fire closures, you got mountain lands, coyotes, you got every single thing against you. Oh yeah, if you can go out and get a deer every year out here, you're you know, depending on the area you're at, you're doing well. You know, yeah, you get like a D fifteen tag and you're hunting in that ten foot brush down around Elsinore. So is and this a you're lucky uh, to see them? Is this a one-time thing that you accomplish and you're going to go jump to the next? Or or this is something that you're going to plan to go back again and continue doing it? Or Oh, well, I love the mountains. I, I, I'll never – well, they'll reach a point. Everybody does where you can't go in the high country anymore, whether it's physically that's or when we That's when we start golfing. <laughs> yeah, that's when we start golfing and <laughs> prairie dog shooting or something. I don't know. but uh, Trap field. Yeah, trap field, stuff like that. But you know, I, I love the mountains. I'm, I'm going back up in, let's see, next August. Um, for a ram again or uh, stone sheep? Okay, so further which, north, which uh, is in British Columbia, but it's closer towards north. Alaska. Yeah, up by the Northwest Territory, and they're easy to, to catch because they're stone. Is that what they call them? <laughs> yeah, they don't yeah, run fast. Because yeah. <laughs> I wish, I wish that was the case. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I was, I grew up in the Midwest, and I read all these. I, I've told Phil before. I've, I, I used to read the stories of Jack O'Connor and all these. You know, the the old he warped all of our minds. Yeah, and it's just always been something. I always loved the mountain man. You know, the mountain man stories and read all the books and it's always just been a big part of me and i've been blessed enough to be able to go up there and experience it cool. so yeah and then once you get a taste of it There's nothing like it good luck trying to get rid of it yeah you know so the stone sheep now the bighorn sheep if you looked at the photograph which we'll post up there but it's very thick wide just thick horns. Then they have something called the thin horn sheep. There's two species of those. One is the stone sheep from northern British Columbia. The other one's the doll sheep in Alaska. They tend to have more wider, wider curls and swept and maybe even points. They don't broom off as much because their curls are wider. So they tend not to, to block their own vision. But that's what he's going after next. And the, Yeah, and the doll sheep, uh, they're white. You've probably seen pictures of them. They're pure white. And they have dark horns. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Stone sheep's get, like an Appaloosa. 
Yeah, they they're a little gray. So, but, uh, so you got to go higher, or yeah, it could be. Yeah, you never north. know. Wow, you never know. Right. I'm going to do it all backpacking too. The next one, I'm going to do it all backpacking. A lot of people go up and take horses, this and that. Uh, me and the same kid, Tyler. Uh, I got to keep up with this twenty-something year old kid, but <laughs> we hunt good together, and we have a whole. You know, you work, you hunt with somebody enough, you you learn their idiosyncrasies and how they think and how we do things. We had a good. If you don't want to kill them in their sleep, it's a good good yeah. partnership. Yeah, and you can get a you know uh, people react different when you're getting ready to take an animal, and I don't like all the excitement and stuff. You know, like I don't like somebody getting all pumped up and all this adrenaline going. There's time for that when we're done. Exactly. But during it, don't be you know. <laughs> so yeah, just shut up. Once you find somebody good to hunt with, you want to keep hunting with them. Absolutely, folks. Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show. You're listening to Chad Carlson's story about his de- his desert, his Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep. <laughs> We're going to come back here talk about how to stuff your stocking with Vincenzo Torolini uh, right after this. If you carry a concealed weapon and own a concealed carry permit, you need protection beyond the weapon. My name is Larry Vickers, and I am a retired veteran of U.S. Special Operations, and I now teach law enforcement, civilians, and members of our military in advanced firearm training. I train people to use their firearms in almost any situation, but I can't prepare them for what happens if they are forced to use a gun to save their lives. That's why I use CCW Safe. They offer membership plans for concealed carry permit holders, and if members are involved in a use of force incident, CCW Safe provides expert witnesses, investigators, and the best defense attorneys in the U.S. Yearly plans range from $99 for a single membership to $150 for a dual membership, and special plans are available for law enforcement and military. Members are required to have a valid concealed carry permit and must maintain their permit. Visit ccwsafe.com today. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino and Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? I know you're being entertained, but I know you're also being informed as we're talking about a bunch of stuff here. This is Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show. Uh, joining me in studio, you've just heard the story with Chad Carlson and his remarkable sheep hunt, but I also have Vince Torres. Now, Vince is owner, operator of Bullseye Sports and Guns and Ammo in Riverside. Great store. We're there off all the time. Um, Vince, you wanted to play Santa Claus. <laughs> so, you know, give us your, your best ho, 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 and uh, let's move on here. All right. Ho, ho, ho. Boy, that's professional there. So, <laughs> All right. Vince, you've got some specials you want to talk about. Um, you know, obviously, we have the Gun of the Month Challenge. Right. And from that, we've had Glock 19s. We've had uh, Remington 870s. This is Remington 783. Now it's the GP100 for 589. Mm-hmm. But you decided to do some even more specials. Yes, I'm going to, uh, through the end of December, we're going to run the Glock Nines and 40 uh, on all three models of each. Uh, you got the 17, 19, and 26 on the 9 caliber, and then you got the 22, 23, and 27 on the 40 caliber, and those are going to be a four ninety nine ninety nine for the rest of the year or until run out. Four ninety nine ninety nine. Yes. Let's go get them, Phil. That's about $100 less than the fish store on the fr- on the 15 freeway. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. So if you ever seen that big fish store, yeah, they're selling them for 100 bucks more over there 
Vince has got them on sale. Support your local guys that support you, and that would be Vince Torres. Four ninety nine. Now, um, let's talk the nine millimeter. You've got a nineteen, seventeen, and a twenty six. Twenty six, right? Tell us the difference. Well, when customers come to my store and they really don't know anything about the gun and they start talking about the Glocks, and I go, "Look, I'm going to make it simple for you. You got daddy, you got mommy, and you got the baby." Because the 17 is their full size, and that's their, their staple gun. That's the first gun they ever developed. And then they work from there. And the 19 is the more, actually, the 19 is the number one selling firearm in the United States right now. Uh, and it's mainly a lot to do with the concealed. There's a lot of people getting into the concealed carry. It's about three quarters of an inch shorter. Exactly. All the way around uh, the gun. It's, it's I have one, and I think everybody has a 19 or... Or should get one. Uh, the seven thing is a great gun. Uh, they all are, by the way. Uh, the twenty six is really compact. That's really small, and that's to really, really concealed. And that's kind of like the purpose of that firearm. Other than that, I, I don't care for it. It's very uncomfortable to hold because it has a really short grip. Uh, but if you're looking for concealment, that's the way to go. So you said, Daddy, Mama baby but right. but that's almost in the size but it really needs to be turned around the 26 should be for somebody who's an accomplished shooter who understands how to how to grip that it shouldn't be somebody's first gun no never no we've had people come in the store and go well they told me to buy a 26 and i go what other guns do you have none my first gun and i go no you can do whatever you want it's your money if that's what you want to buy that's fine but i'll I want to try to convince you that that's not the gun that you need right now. It would be hard. It'd be hard to learn good fundamentals yes. starting with a firearm like that. Yeah. It's pretty specialized. Now there are things you can go around it. I mean, you could change. Um, uh, you can use the 19 uh, magazine on the 26, and they have a sleeve. There's a company called ANG that sells a sleeve that goes on the, on the magazine, and it just protrudes below the. Uh, the grip and it extends the grip so you can hold the gun. It looks kind of funny. Uh, you can even use a 17 but, but then it, in the but same way. But then it makes way. your 26 the same size as the 19. Exactly. Anyway. It defeats the purpose of yeah. it. But at least you can go out and shoot the gun and hold it a little better. And then once you get the hang of the gun, then try to learn it without any of that, just with a grip. They also have an extended grip, uh, extended um, magazine. magazine uh we call it pinky, you know. To so that's kind of where it sits. Your your uh, your pinky finger sits on the bottom of that, and that kind of helps out a little bit. But then you're again you're defeating the purpose of the concealment part. So the nineteen is the better one of all. It's it's a uh, best of both worlds. Yeah, it is. It is the best of both worlds. And then you have the same one in the twenty three. That's a forty caliber. So the, the size of the gun doesn't change on the on the on the caliber. Uh, the stays the same size. So the 17 is the 9. The 22 is the 40. The, the gun size. is still the same size. And so the difference between 9 caliber, nine millimeter and 40 caliber, the 40 caliber is a little bit faster, mm-hmm. a little bit heavier bullet, a little bit bigger in diameter. But it seems to have a lot more snap blast yeah. uh, when you're shooting it than a 9. I think I think people tend to shoot the 9 millimeter better, especially second shots. Than what I've seen of them shooting a forty. Well, you know they've come a long ways with ammo, uh, like everything else in technology. So, you know, you, you want you moved up to the forty because they have more uh, power to bring down. But now with technology, they have nine millimeter ammo that does as much damage as it could. You must be talking about the cutting edge PhD ammo. There you go. That's what I think you're talking about. And and that's and what Vince, you, Vince is going to start carrying them. So you can I, will. Yes, I will. Yes, there you go. You got on comment here. Um, 
here's something else that's been hanging out over everybody's head, and I'm going to do a show on it next week in specifics, but we've got this assault weapon ban. Right. Okay? Thank you, all you morons who didn't vote. We have an assault weapon ban now. And if you think that I'm being sincere and saying thank you, you don't understand sarcasm. <laughs> so... Yeah, all you guys stayed at home saying it's it's lost state. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. You lost our state. Um, but we have to deal with this now. Actually, it's another assault weapon. Yeah. Now we got two. We have the original one, and now we have the second one. Yeah. Yeah. So the second one, Vince has got a lot of information that you know we're hearing from DOJ, and it's bouncing back and forth. But for those of you who want to take your existing AR-15 platform rifle or M4 platform rifle or AR-10, whatever, AK, whatever's going to be classified as an assault weapon and turn it into a, a non-characteristic... Uh, yeah, California-approved. It? Uh, it's not even approved yet, but California-approved. Well, you want to but, change, uh, the, change it so it's a non-characteristic a- AR. So there's four different things that typically make up whether it's going to be an assault weapon or not. Uh, a flash hider, whatever uh, that means. Right. A pistol, a pistol grip, <laughs> but still a flash hider. What? It nothing. Anyway, that's bad terminology from Diane Feinstein. The flash hider, the pistol grip, collapsible or folding stock, and a detachable magazine. Correct. Right. right. Those exactly. are the four things. Right. So it can have one, and it's okay. Or if it has two or more, it's you have an issue. Also a forearm grip. Um, so there are ways to modify existing ARs. So they be California compliant, right? There's there's a lot of companies out there making different uh, parts for the gun. Uh, the simplest one will be the stock. It can't be a collapsible stock. It has to be a a fixed stock, and that's easy because you know they've been selling fixed stock forever. Uh, so that's be a simple uh, part. The flash hider, whatever they want to label it, flash lighter, you can always take that off and put just a, a nut on it, and, and then that's it. That's pretty much covered. The one that's a little bit more uh, challenging is the grip. It can be uh, a straight down or in a, a small angle grip. It has to, there is a, 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 a definition of what they consider a uh, compliant grip and it has to have a certain amount of angle and your thumb has to be at a certain level of the trigger and so on and so forth. So that's a little bit of challenge there. Uh, we're working on different things. You can go online and you can see the, um, what's it called? Monster grip. Uh, they have a paddle. Uh, they have the Thorsten. Yeah. The, the monster, There's all kinds of different. The gorilla grip or the monster grip. Yeah. What, what it does is it actually puts a paddle on the left hand side of your right hand, hand shooting grip. So you can't reach your hand around the pistol. Right. Your hand is flat underneath it, which it was kind of funny, but anyway, yeah. So it, you know, that's hey, they found a way around that, and guys have been shooting guns like that without a bullet button on them forever. Um, also, you know, you can some people are putting screws in a, in an existing collapsible stock. Mm-hmm. Other people are putting PVC pipe in the space between your buffer tube and the end of that, so it no longer collapses and pinning that, so it's it's solid. Um, or you can make it as simple it. as one more thing you can do to the gun. It's make that magazine fixed. In other words, you cannot release what? that magazine. You cannot release the magazine via bullet button or any kind of pressing a button unless you open the 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 gun and then you load from the top and you close it. That will be the fastest and easiest way to doing it. 
to be legal in California. So if you get caught with a gun, at least you protect it and you don't have the gun. Uh, I don't think you're going to get confiscated. I don't think they want to go that far. But at least you'll be in compliance with so if California. So try and take a gun, just say Vince said no. Vince said <laughs> he wouldn't go that far. <laughs> so, yes, we have a challenging uh, next year for the uh, AR-style firearm. But and, you're going to uh, have solutions in your store. There's always going to be solution. And, and, and remember, guys, everybody's going to do the same thing. All right, we found a solution. Then we're going to get it ARs. They're going to, politicians are going to pass another law. They're going to go, and they're going to figure that out. They go, okay, now let's pass one that you cannot have. This. So don't think that this is a, a one-time fix and you're good to go. It's, you're going to be fighting this every time. So please, let's not vote this guys again in there. I mean, we just, we're just we stepping on ourselves, thinking that oh, it's not going to happen again, and we keep reelecting the same people all over again. I am not. I, I do my due diligence, and I, I do go vote. Uh, some of those people that are saying, ah, it's not going to affect me. Why should I go vote? It affects everybody. You're next, baby. That's yeah. right. Duck You're hunters, next. they're coming for you. Yep. Folks, Philip Naiman, Firingland Radio Show. We'll be, uh, we'll be back next weekend. Hope you guys have a great week. Talk to you soon. Thanks for joining me, folks. When you have to shoot, shoot. Don't talk. The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside. The Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Mop and Financial Advisors, Cutting Edge Bullets for when you care enough to send the very best, Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, by Evolution Sports in Redlands, and Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs>